Hi, I'm Callie. And I'm Rachel. And we are Pelvic Service Announcement. up with Movember this month, we are going to be talking about testicular cancer. I learned a lot. I did too. I, this, I knew nothing about testicular cancer other than it was cancer of the testicles. Uh, Lance Armstrong. That was about all I had. Yeah. That was about all I got. <laughs> Prior to researching for this episode, um, one of the biggest things I learned is how common it actually is. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It's the leading cancer in men ages 15 to 44. So it can strike at any age, but it's really a lot more prevalent in younger men. Yeah, the most common type of cancer in young men. But it does also have a 95% survival rate. So that is good. And a 95% cure rate. Another interesting, this is actually probably depressing fact. In this age group, more men will die of testicular cancer than women will die of breast cancer in the wow. same age group, which is good that we don't have as many women dying of breast cancer, but it just raises the issue that, hey, this is extremely important. We need to be talking about it because like Rachel said, there is a 95% success rate in treating this, but like we talked about with prostate cancer, early detection is going to be key. Exactly. And so some possible risk factors, and this is coming from the Movember website, Nuts and Bolts, which I thought was really Their funny. website it's was phenomenal. fantastic because they almost like take it back and make it they make it very easy to follow and understand while talking about some pretty serious things and so so possible risk factors for testicular cancer is undescended testicles at birth and they literally put in parentheses your nuts didn't drop <laughs> so that is their words not mine um being related to someone who has had testicular cancer having had testicular cancer before um as well as race and ethnicity the risk is higher in the u.s and Europe and lower in Africa and Asia. Um, And so the best thing that you can do is to get familiar with your body. Like we talk about this all the time. Like we had an entire episode called take a look and for guys, take a feel too. Like you need to know what these things feel like in order for you to know when something is abnormal. It's just like women doing a self breast exam, men, you can do a self testicular exam as well um there's even a video on how to do it they're using marbles um but there is a step-by-step and this is literally i'm quoting here the video below will guide you step-by-step on how to give your nuts a rub down and it's pretty easy to do well on that movember site it's hilarious because they literally like titled it know thy nuts yeah (laughs) and there's like all kinds of graphics and pictures and they have like the step-by-step instructions if you don't want to watch the video yep um they used a pair which i thought was like it's supposed to be a pair i guess trying to make it less graphic i don't know but it was hilarious they give you step-by-step instructions and it's honestly very similar to the breast exam. We we told women in our October breast cancer awareness episode, I think last year, to do it in the shower. Same thing here. It says warm up in a steamy shower. This relaxes and loosens your nuts. I'm again, reading off the website. This is not my words. Getting them ready to be checked. 
And then it says, with your thumb and finger, roll one testicle to get to know what's normal for you and check for any changes or anything painful and then repeat with the other. So it's so basic. Just like we tell women all the time, take a look. Like Rachel just mentioned, you can't know what's abnormal if you're not familiar with your normal. So feel around, see what's going on, get to know what's normal for your body. And that way, if there is anything abnormal, you know and you recognize it. And so then what do you do if you do find something? Call your doctor. Call your doctor. Um, find, make an appointment and get in with your doctor. Um, any sort of lumps or swelling or pain that can be an indicator that yeah, potentially something that is there that could be um, could be a concern. Um, call your doctor, primary care physician, whoever it is, to get somebody to. Um, take a look and see what is potentially going on. Um, don't jump to, to conclusions, right? Just take action. See your doctor. Don't wait. Um, get that appointment as soon as you can. They'll be able to kind of take a look and see exactly what else you need to do. Um, so yeah, don't be embarrassed. Don't wait. Just get it checked out immediately. Yeah. Nor at baseline, normal, they should feel smooth, firm, sensitive, but not painful. And so if you have any changes, like Rachel said, go see your doctor. Something my doctor told me about cancer in general, breast cancer, testicular cancer, whatever, it's not going to fluctuate. So it's not going to be like, oh, I wore a cup all day and I had some swelling. Do I have cancer? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like, I've had this lump that's only gotten bigger or stayed the same it hasn't come and gone it's it's only gotten worse or stayed the same so something about cancer is it's not going to continue to kind of come and go Mm -hmm. it's going to be there it's going to stay there and so if you've got something that showed up and it's really not going away get it checked out and it usually only happens in one testicle as well you're usually not going to have like that equal bilateral swelling or sensitivity in both like it's usually just going to be like on one some other signs and symptoms can be a feeling of heaviness in the scrotum a dull ache in the lower belly or groin um, pain or discomfort in the testicle or in the scrotum um, even enlargement or tenderness of the breast tissue and back pain as well Yes. And then treatment options, depending on what's going on, can look very, very different. So surgery is usually the first line defense, right? If it's, if it's in one cancer, they can, in one cancer, in one testicle, they can remove that testicle. It's done under general anesthesia and then you're good to go. Radiation is also a um, an option depending on the type of cancer, especially if there is some spread of the original cancer, chemo, mm-hmm. and then lymph node removal or RPLND, retroperitoneal lymph node dissection. So just to remove the lymph nodes at the back of the abdomen where that testicular cancer can spread to prevent any more spread. Again, treatment's going to look very, very different depending on the staging and the type of cancer and what's going on with you. It's going to be up to your oncologist and you talk to and make a decision on how to proceed with that once you've been diagnosed. It can affect fertility. 
Um, just again, it kind of depends on what type of cancer and the severity. And this is another conversation to have with your oncologist. If you don't have children or you want to start a children, start a children. Wow. We're doing wanna, great today. If you want to start a family and you don't have children yet or whatever the case may be, talk to them. There's Sometimes there's the option to freeze the sperm before having chemo or radiation or whatever the process may be. But again, just because you have testicular cancer doesn't mean any hope of fertility is completely gone. Depending on what's going on, you can talk to your doctor and make a plan for Mm -hmm. that as well. And a lot of times this could just be surveillance. Just, you know what, we're going to sit, we're going to wait, depending on what the test results are for that specific type of cancer. There's a same way with any other cancer. There's a lot of different types of testicular cancer. Um, and so that treatment surveillance, you know, might just look at it, especially if it's like stage zero or stage one, just kind of chill, wait, watch, um, surgery, um, is a great option even with uh, testes sparing surgery that can remove just the tumor tissue not the entire testicle um which is great um but yeah radiation chemotherapy um yeah so if this episode absolutely terrified you and you're like i need to be checking myself for testicular cancer i am now obsessed Testicular, the testicularcancersociety.org has an app called Ball Checker. And in this app, it provides you with facts about testicular cancer. It tells you how to do an exam. And it also has an option to send monthly text reminders for the self-exam. That's amazing. If you don't want to download the app, but you're like, I really kind of do want to get those monthly text reminders you text self-exam to 22999 and the only like they won't send you a bunch of like advertising all they will do is once a month text you a reminder to do your self-exam that is amazing which i think is really cool the way we're using technology to really get involved with our health and everything like that like i wonder how many people have gotten that reminder and done their exam and caught something early yeah because of something like that. So I love that. Kind of cool. Kind of like we we've talked about before about apps for like tracking your cycle as a woman and some things like that. But here's an app for guys to monitor your love health, it. see what's going on. So I thought that was fun. I love it. I love Very it. Very fun. Um, yeah, like we said, 95% cure rate um, with this type of cancer. But again, early detection is key. Um, you want to make sure that you are asking the right questions to your doctor as well. Um, explaining the specific type of testicular cancer. Is it aggressive? Has it spread to any other areas or could it spread to any other areas? Um, is Are there any other tests that you need? What are your treatment options? Do you need a radiologist or oncologist? risks, side effects of each treatment, how long will it take, um, what should I expect as I recover from that treatment, um, and again, of course, you know, if you're interested in having children in the future or having more children, what do you need to know, what should you know, what do you need to know, um, anything that you can do. There's no way to prevent testicular cancer, there's no um, prevention options, um, but Again, that early detection is going to be the most important thing for you. 
Absolutely. So know your nuts. Know your nuts and catch it early because it's very, very curable, very. which is what we want when we talk about cancer, right? We want to hear the word curable, mm-hmm. remission, all the things. And we hear that a lot with testicular cancer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully everyone's mustache is coming in nice at yeah. this point. <laughs> We've had a couple weeks to get there. Hopefully Keep it it's up. looking less dead caterpillary right. and more... <laughs> filled in so and if your man's growing a mustache and you hate november's halfway over we're almost or a little there. bit more a little bit more by the time this comes out it'll be over halfway over so hang in there it's for a good we're doing cause. great ladies we're doing great oh man do you have a patient one yeah so i actually just had this patient which was really cool um i've been treating her for a while and we um, I've been working a lot on calming down her overactivity. Um, she's got a pretty significant one. She also has a very significant history of trauma, um, and sexual trauma as well. And so that's just been, um, something that she's working through like with her therapist as well. Um, but she does want to get back to a relatively normal sex life with her husband. You know, they haven't been able to for a very, very long time and And that has been one of her really big goals. Um, We actually just today started her using a pelvic wand. And so that was a really big step for her, especially with her history of trauma. She was pretty scared of, you know, having flashbacks or, um, you know, not feeling in control. And so we were able to work through a lot of um, a lot of barriers there, just kind of some of those psychological and emotional barriers. and kind of working through that. So she was able to use her pelvic wand today, like no problem at all. Felt so much more comfortable with it. Um, it was really able to alleviate a lot of the pain that she was in on yeah. her own, like, which is such a big thing for me. And I know like we've talked about it on here a lot of like, the biggest thing that we could give you is just like the independence. Like we want to give you the tools that you need. You should not be seeing anybody every month or every week for the rest of your life. Like what, what are we doing with that? Um, and so that was like the, that pelvic wand is definitely a big tool, a big thing that I use with a lot of my patients, especially if they do have that overactivity. Cause I'm like, I want you to be able to manage this on your own. Like that way, if you do start to have that pain, like once we finish up with therapy, like if it comes back, whether it's six months or three years from now, I want you to be able to have those resources to manage that on your own. And so that was a really big step for her today. Just not only of just like, okay, like this is how to use a pelvic wand, but also having that like emotional and psychological stability to be successful with that. So that was just like really huge. And she was so excited by the end of it too. She was just like so grateful and was just really excited. She was like, I really think that this is going to help and everything like that. So it was awesome. It was really cool. I love that. I was talking to a psychologist one time or a psychiatrist. I can't remember which they were. But I was asking, you know, how can we, these patients with a history of sexual trauma who have maybe a little bit of that vaginismus Mm -hmm. response, what should we be doing? And that was one of the things we talked about was that 
exposure therapy if you can expose them to maybe an internal exam or giving her a pelvic wand where she can in a safe environment feel safe use that address those muscles address that tension it's just going to reinforce that thought of oh i am in control i am safe yeah so that's amazing i love that i love yeah love love lots of lots of good good progress yeah that's amazing So this one was really good. It was a different, it was a little bit different than my typical, this patient has struggled with motivation in the past, but we've come such a long way. And so I was like, oh, she, she came in and she was just like, you know, I've got some things going on in my personal life that have me discouraged. She wanted to get, we had talked about working out at the gym because she gets Mm -hmm. it free through Medicare. And just being more active and how that's going to continue to help her see improvements. And she wasn't able to get into the gym as quick as she wanted. And so just all that she was like, I just feel like I'm wasting your time. And, and I was like, no, no, no. As long as you want to get better, it's not a waste of my time. She's like, well, I just want to quit because I'm not motivated and I feel guilty for wasting your time. And I was like, give me 100% for the next 45 minutes and then we'll revisit this conversation at the end. And that entire treatment session, it was just like, PR after PR after PR, like all these, we went up in weight. We did more reps on some things that we had been, we watched, one of the big things was increasing walking tolerance, walked on the treadmill and faster than we ever had before. All of these things. And she did all of it with no incontinence. And it was a progress note day. So we went back to her room and I love progress note days because it's like, this is where we started. And Mm -hmm. I asked patients a lot of the questions I did on day one. And I'm like, this is kind of where we were day one. Where are you? And it was just like day one, she couldn't stand up without having incontinence. Wow. And we went to the gym and did all of these. And she was like, oh yeah, I don't do that anymore. And it was like all these other things. She was getting up all the time to go to the bathroom at Mm -hmm. night and having incontinence with that. And she was like, oh no, no, no. Now her sleep schedule isn't fantastic. And she was like, sometimes I have to get up, but it's mainly because of my sleep schedule. And so once we started looking at it, she saw how much progress she had mm-hmm. made. And she was like, oh, wow. And she was like, I'm so encouraged. Like, can I keep coming to Aww. therapy? And that's what I wanted. Yeah, I wanted because if I talk someone into it, if I'm like, no, stay. Yeah. I mean, yes, I think there's some benefit to that, but a lot of times then they leave and they think about it and they call back and they're like, no, I really don't. But if you can help them see the progress for themselves and if they can go out into the gym and they can, she was like before, I don't even think I could have stood up and done like a sit to stand without having incontinence. And she did three sets of 10 sit to stands with 10 pounds with zero incontinence. And like all of these, all of these exercises with not an ounce of incontinence. And she was like, can I keep coming to therapy? Yes. I, and I was like, Heck yeah, yeah, girl. And I, so I mean, I guess. It. I love it when people ask for that help and they yeah. see it themselves. I think they get so much more out of it when yes. they can be intrinsically motivated. Yes. Sometimes it takes that little bit of a push. But I think that's kind of the fun of our job is finding out what strings to pull to really yes. get patients to invest in their own health. Well, and especially if, you know, she wasn't super motivated and usually with decreased motivation comes a decreased adherence to HEP and behavioral modifications and stuff like that. So if she was able to make all that progress without being like 100% consistent on her own at home, like imagine how much better she's going to be now that she is so encouraged, now that she is so motivated and is probably going to be a lot more consistent, a lot more adherent. It's like, okay, you, we've made all of this progress with eh, you know 
iffy mm-hmm. consistency give me a hundred percent and we'll be done like yeah you know, exactly it's, and that's it's, yeah, yeah that's what like, I told her I was like if you got get consistent like you're not gonna need me yeah but that's where it gets to the point where people have to learn to motivate themselves because mm-hmm. you got to keep doing all the things yep. once you leave here you have the tools now you have to use them yeah, you got to use them so that's what I tell my patients I'm like you know all my secrets you know all my tricks like I'm not hiding anything else this is it so it's in your hands at mm-hmm. this point mm-hmm. I love it what made your overactivity worse this week i'm trying to think oh i have something it's like a running i mean it's like a happy thing but it's like a running thought in my mind that i've been worried about so my in-laws gave us this peony plant that is beautiful but it was my it was like from my um husband's grandma's house that she's had for Uh ages that her and his grandpa tend and they're both passed away now and so they gave us like part of this bush i kill everything (laughs) like i just recently killed a peace lily and those are like one of the easiest things to keep alive like i've killed an ivy before and they gave it to us (laughs) so we could plant it at our home now that we have a home and i'm like so excited because i love peonies and i think they're beautiful but i'm just looking at that thing like if you die, like, what does that say about, like, is, is that some kind of curse if I kill what does that it? say about your marriage? Yeah, what does that if say? I kill yeah. this love peony that, like, his grandma and grandpa had intended and loved, and then his parents had, and they've kept, like, propagating it, and it's, like, thriving, and then they give it to us, and I kill it. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, we're going to plan it together this weekend. Um, we've got some instructions. Allegedly, so it's not that hard. However, I have the blackest thumb on the planet. So I'm very nervous that I'm going to murder the love peony and grandma's oh, gonna haunt me from the grave. That is hilarious. So I hope she doesn't, but also that would be really funny. They're so beautiful. So I hope I plant it and it does so great. Yeah. And it's just this beautiful, blossoming, wonderful thing. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Oh man, no, you're gonna do great. It'll be fine. It'll it'll be fine (laughs) yeah yeah we'll see what about you um so I don't know so Spotify has like audiobooks now um especially if you have like the premium like membership or whatever and they've actually got like some really good books and so I'm in a book club and we decided that this month we were gonna read um a thriller called Hidden Pictures and um the book the book mind hunter inside the fbi's elite serial crime unit and so me wanting to you know be proactive i was like you know what i'll just listen to it when i go to bed oh my my like why why i thought i don't know i don't know i don't know why i thought it was a good idea so i literally had mind hunter on like the last couple of days like on a sleep timer and the first part of the book like it hasn't gotten like super super like detailed yet but there have definitely been some parts where i'm like why am i trying to listen to this when i'm trying to go to sleep like this is not going to be good for my dreams and so my dreams have been a little bit a little creepy the last couple of nights so yeah. don't think i will be doing that anymore but oh my gosh yeah i was just looking on there to see if the next book club i'm in 
the if my audiobook was on there and it is yeah I did not know that about yeah they just yeah they just got I think that there is a limit I think there's like only a certain number of hours that you can listen per month Uh um but yeah so check it out Spotify has got audiobooks now so that's cool included in the premium feature um so okay have you seen the Netflix tv show mindhunter yes it is so good it's so creepy it is so why good why are you listening to that before bed and i you, don't know terrible that, idea terrible, terrible idea. decisions um but yeah no the tv show is so good and i really need them to come out with a third season i don't think that they are but so good so i good. carson and i watched that when we were dating and i would mm-hmm. fall asleep every time and he was like what is wrong with you that like, you can fall asleep, <laughs> asleep to this, this. <laughs> he was like are you secretly oh, a man. psychopath like yeah. why are you falling asleep that every single so time crazy. this is on just like would lull me to sleep no it's kind of terrifying yeah i think it was creepy. like a self-defense mechanism probably like, I fell asleep. yeah <laughs> rather than so fight or flight scared. it was fun it was go to so sleep funny so the main character, like the female character on Mindhunter, um, she worked a, like the actual person that it was based off. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, um, but she worked a lot with this other FBI profiler, Candace DeLong, and I got to like sit on a talk with her at CrimeCon and like I didn't actually like meet her, meet her, um, but I got to see Candace DeLong and it was kind of like my fangirl moment. Wow. So, yeah, she helped catch the Unabomber. So that's crazy. No, wild. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, very wild. Okay, I have a board question. Lay it on me. And it has to do with running, even though I'm not running anymore. Um, it says a physician suspects a stress fracture in a 34-year-old distance runner after completing an examination. Assuming the physician's preliminary diagnosis is correct, which of the following diagnostic tests would be the most appropriate to identify the stress fracture? Bone scan, fluoroscopy, telethermography, telethermography, telethermography. (laughs) You're doing great. Thank you. And an ultrasound scan. I thought this one was easy because the answer is bone scan. They've got a fracture, bone scan. Just because that bone scan, it's going to utilize radioactive isotopes to identify areas of bone that are hypervascular or have increased rate of bone mineral turnover. So they can help us identify bone disease like osteoporosis, osteopenia, or stress fractures. Sometimes those won't always show up on like your traditional x-ray imaging so bone scan is a good answer there There that was one of those where it wasn't really a trick the one that made the most sense actually was the answer yeah so you don't get those often (laughs) yeah you don't so there's your diagnostic imaging question if you're like me you still have some nightmares about that class like literal flashbacks of just first i I thought that class was going to be easy for i don't know why i was like oh i can look at a at an x-ray and tell if a bone's broken in half that sounds like a piece of cake no and then they showed me an ultrasound and i was like did someone like forget to change the channel on a like old tv and it's just static what is this like yeah this is an artery and this is a muscle and this is a bone and i'm like no where's the baby i don't understand and then i remember they were (laughs) trying to (laughs) every time that we looked at an ultrasound i'd be like i don't see a baby i don't know what you're saying they're not pregnant i don't know what you want me to say we're trying to explain to me to all of us in class how a ct worked 
And I remember being like, I remember feeling like Michael Scott on The Office, and he's like, explain it to me, like I'm eight. Yeah. And they explain it, and and Oscar explains it, and he's like, explain it to me, like I'm five. Yeah. That's how I felt about <laughs> the CT scan when they were like, and it something about. I think some spirals. I couldn't and, even tell you. I think there was, was coils like, in there. Yeah, and the coils. That's what it was. And I was like, I did not go into engineering for this exactly exact reason. <laughs> I'm not an electrical like, engineer. Why don't you just show me some muscles and some yeah. bones and some nerves <laughs> and ask me origin, insertion, and action? Because, or even physiology of the body. Oh yeah, physiology of a machine. Better. Hard pass. Hard pass. Hard, hard pass. pass. So. I first time I was like, oh, diagnostic imaging will be easy. Oh my gosh, I cannot read an ultrasound to save my life. Like it, it's a jumbled mess to me. MRIs were easier. Yeah, MRIs were pretty straightforward. Yeah. and even like CT when you know like where you are. Yeah, and you know your basic anatomy. I can kind of look at a CT. Can kind of. Look you at give it. me an ultrasound. Oh my goodness, I was doing a rotation and I was watching. Um, them do an ultrasound to yeah. do something with the needle guided ultrasound and they're like oh and there's the nerve and artery that we don't want to hit and i was like where where, where? and i was like mm-hmm. i'm standing there nodding like i know exactly what's uh-huh. going on and i'm like yeah it's a good thing i don't have to stick that needle in there because i you might as well just take the ultrasound away and yeah. let me go in the dark <laughs> because that's about as useful as that's gonna be <laughs> Thankfully, that's really not in our job description. No, it is and not. And most of the time, when people bring us imaging, there's a little summary of what the findings were. Yeah, we usually so don't get the actual images. If oh. you, I've had a couple where they like give me the images, and they're like, did you look at that? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And I like basically just talk them through the medical jargon on the summary. I'm like, this is what this means. Yeah. The, the summary that they wrote. Like somebody actually gets what paid they, specifically to read yeah. x-rays and MRIs. I'm I, not going to sit here and think that I could do a better no, job than they can. No, but what I can do is help you explain yeah, what, help you understand what an L5 lateral yeah. encroachment of the L5 nerve root means. I can tell you I that. I can tell you that. I can help you understand. In can I point term, it out to you? Maybe. Can I show you? I can show you like um, a compound fracture. Yes. I'm pretty good. <laughs> <Can> you show <laughs> me an x-ray. I, okay. Last thing about class. Do you remember that diagnostic imaging test? Wait, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a massive fracture. Like the bone is in half. I'm sure if I could see, it's like poking through Probably the skin. Probably through the skin. And that is, and I was like, this is a big compound fracture. Right. That is not what the, that was like just background information, not even close to what the question, the question was. And I was like. There was another one that was like, I think it was like an x-ray or an MRI of the foot. And it was like, besides the obvious stress fracture of the fifth metatarsal, what other anomaly is present on this x-ray? And I was like, I don't even see the fracture. I was like, this is a foot? I was like, I don't even see the first thing that you're talking about. And you want me to find something else? Oh, man. That was like... I honestly think that was one of the few tests I played like any mini miny mo because yeah. we were so far in our education at that point. Like in the beginning, you know, you're really going through it and you're trying to get A's on everything. Right, right. And at that point, I'm just like, get me out. The burnout the was really there. And I think we had that exam. I feel like we had that final the same day. We had like Another, one of our other like really yes. hard final. And so we all just like studied so hard for the other one. And then we're just with diagnostic imaging. We were just like, sorry. 
teeth. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. And the poor professor who taught it was very nice. And thought was so very, nice. Was it a radiologist that yeah. taught it? Yeah. yeah. So someone who, like, was way into it. And I was like, you're yeah. so kind. I, you're so lovely. Um, I'm sorry. I am dumb <laughs> and did not give this class the attention it deserves. And it shows now because I still can't read an ultrasound. <laughs> Oh. Oh, I literally just expect to see a baby in an ultrasound. I'm like, literally the first time that they were like, yeah, we use it obviously for more than just babies. And I was like, what? You were like, huh? You can do it on a shoulder? What? Yeah. So. Oh, good times. Good times. But okay. Your PSA this week is uh, know thy nuts. Know thy nuts. And do the self-exam. If you find something weird, call your doctor. Don't wait on it. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's about it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.